Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be taking a look at some of the MLK Day slate of games that went on today, some of the top college games of the week, the new AP poll, and later good friend of mine, friend of the program, friend of Review and Preview, Andy Hopper of the Brew Party, will be joining us to talk some Illinois hoops and his Chicago Bulls. So, happy MLK Day, everyone. You can also follow at the 3 and D on Twitter to stay updated with breaking news around the leagues and news on episodes and uploads. So, a lot been going on over the past couple of weeks, for sure, um, in the NBA and the college basketball ranks. We've been seeing, you know, some controversy. We've been seeing some interesting things that have been happening. But first thing that kind of tops the list in the NBA was the Cam Reddish trade. So, of course, I have to go over this as a Knicks fan that I am. Um, Cam Reddish was traded from the Hawks to the Knicks this past Thursday. Uh, the full deal, the Knicks got Reddish. Uh, all, they also got Solomon Hill and a 2025 second round pick via Brooklyn. In exchange, the Atlanta Hawks got Kevin Knox and a 2022 first round pick from the via the Charlotte Hornets. So the Knicks had two first round picks uh, this upcoming N- NBA draft, and they traded one of them in part of this deal. Uh, this is, you know, in my opinion, I think that the Knicks truly fleece them. I really think so. You know, we get reddish. Uh, you know, Solomon Hill is out for the season, and the rumor is that he probably ends up getting released. And regardless, he's not going to play this season. So it's really, it really was reddish for Knox in a first round pick. That's mainly what it was. Uh, 2025 second round pick is kind of just a throw in, which, you know, isn't terrible. You know, three years from now, you never know. Um, what they can do with that. They'll probably end up throwing that that pick into a, another trade that happens in the next three years, but they get that. And the Hawks, in exchange, uh, Cam Reddish kind of fell out of their rotation. They were not playing him anymore. Obviously was a top draft pick, a top prospect in that man, in that manner, was a five-star recruit as well. Um, it kind of fell out of the Hawks' rotation, and he wanted out too. That was the big thing. So they got rid of him. 
And in exchange, they got Kevin Knox, who's on expiring contract, was also a former five-star recruit, uh, top lottery pick in 2018 draft, where Cam Reddish went in 2019 draft. Obviously, Knox fell out of the Knicks rotation, too. And 2022 first-round pick. The main thing in this trade for the Hawks was getting the first-round pick um, because they're going to try to flip that at the trade deadline to try to accumulate some pieces. Um in a potential trade where, you know, they're trying to get a veteran player, they'll throw in a first-round pick to a team maybe struggling that's trying to add a first-round pick. So I don't anticipate the Hawks holding on to this first-round pick. I think that they're, they're, the main thing was to get this as leverage for um, the NBA, for the trade deadline, you know, when they probably um, try to add some extra pieces to be a little bit more competitive. Um I think that that's that's the way that they're going to they're going to use that first round pick, but Cam Reddish, uh, high upside, very very low risk, high reward, uh, kind of get for the Knicks because um, Reddish had obviously had potential of becoming a star player. He rejoins R.J. Barrett um, after playing together at Duke in the eighteen nineteen season. Obviously, the only one missing now is Zion between those three. Um, after all, three of them were three-star freshmen that decided to go play at Duke in 1819. But um, Reddish did not play Saturday against the Hawks, neither did uh, Kevin Knox. They actually, right, right before making the trade, they ended up um, playing each other a couple days later, the Knicks and Hawks, but neither of them played. So still waiting on that, but... Um, it's. I think it was a very good trade. I think it was a very good trade for the Knicks. I think it was a decent enough trade for the Hawks. I think the Knicks got a lot more upside um, in this situation, but I also think that um, the Hawks kind of got a decent amount back um, for you know being able to get a first round pick for a guy that kind of fell out of the rotation is. Definitely is definitely never a bad thing. That's for sure. So that's that's definitely a good one. So Cam Reddish obviously trade to the Knicks. That was the big week headline. I'll tell you tell you what. There's a lot of controversy and stuff that went on throughout the week. Um, more Kyrie Irving stuff. You know, we saw a couple of fights and stuff breakouts in uh, some NBA games. Yeah, we just, we just saw the Magic Johnson stuff go down with. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, the Lakers have not been playing well. Magic Johnson kind of called them out, said that they're, you know, showing a lack of hustle. Russell Westbrook kind of responded and was like, you know, he's not in, he's entitled to his opinion, but, you know, he's not in the locker room every single day. So, very, so the, the drama remains very high in, uh, in LA for the Lakers. I'll tell you that. So, there's, there's always that, and you can always count on that it seems like with the Lakers uh, putting together some, some type of drama. So that was, that was really the main uh, week's headline. You know, it was kind of a lighter week among college basketball and uh, among the NBA, but we'll jump over to college basketball a little bit later on. We'll um, be talking bulls and Illinois with Andy Hopper as he's a diehard fan of both of them. But before that, we'll go over the AP poll. Um, the one of the big games that happened today and for Martin Luther King Day, um, and then some of the rest of the top college games 
for the rest of the week. So we'll jump over to some of the AP poll reactions. Obviously, the new AP poll just dropped today, as it always does every Monday, and a lot of movement this week. Um, as the past few weeks, we hadn't seen very much movement. We saw a lot of movement this week. We have a new number one, a new number two, a new number three, and we we actually have a new complete, completely new top five, even though some of the teams just moved around a bit in the top five, but completely new, new spots in the top five. Gonzaga takes over at number one. Auburn jumps all the way up to number two. I'm not a huge fan of that. That's going to be my first reaction to this. I personally think that Auburn should be number one. Now, don't get me wrong. I always talk highly of Gonzaga on this show. I think that they're a fantastic team, but I think what Auburn has done this year so far, they're 15-1, and I believe, or 16-1. and um, They've been completely dominated a tough SEC conference so far throughout conference play. They got a tough game coming up against Kentucky, which is probably going to be the game of the week, which we'll go over in a little bit. But I personally think that Auburn should have been number one, but you know them jumping up to number two is obviously never a bad thing. But So Gonzaga takes over at number one yet again. Auburn jumps up to number two. Arizona jumps up to number three now, so – the Wildcats, I tell you what, nobody really counted them in as being a, as being a real contender uh, during the preseason, and they're number three in January, which is pretty impressive, I got to say. And Purdue was um, one of the fallers. They fell to number four uh, this week, and Baylor was the big one. Baylor fell from one to five this week after a couple of tough losses in – uh, Big 12 conference play. Wisconsin jumped up five spots. They jumped from 13 to eight. So with the Wisconsin Badgers led by Johnny Davis, Brad Davidson, um, they jump into the top 10. So they're at number eight this week, which is fantastic for that team. Uh, unbelievable what that, what that team has been able to put together and how well they've played throughout conference play so far. Uh, UCLA fell too. UCLA was one of, the teams that made way for some of the some of the big movement into the top five. UCLA fell six spots from three to nine after a couple of tough losses. Kentucky jumped up big, um, jumped up six spots after destroying Tennessee on Saturday, absolutely running them off the court. Uh, they jumped up from 18 to 12 this week. So they're just a couple spots outside of the top 10. And they got a tough matchup against Auburn this week. And a win right there will easily get them in the top 10. Next week, uh, UCL USC had the biggest fall of um, of the week. They fell 11 spots from five to 16. So USC was off to a dynamic start. They were undefeated for a while, but they had a couple more tough losses and they're all the way down to 16 now on the week. Illinois, on the other hand, jumped up from 25 to 17. Perfect timing to get Andy to come on the show. Um, Illinois had a big week. Obviously, they played against Purdue today. We'll be going over that in a few, but they jumped from 25 to 17, uh, which was a pretty significant jump. They're implementing themselves as one of the contenders in the Big Ten yet again. Ohio State fell from 16 to 19. Loyola Chicago made their debut in the top 25. They join at number 22. They're 13 and two this season. Porter Moser, Drew Valentine, doesn't matter who the head coach is. Loyola Chicago is dominant. And 
Um, they're going to be making their way into I'm trying to remember which conference um, they're uh, going to be transferring into, but it's, they're going to be transferring into in the next couple of years into uh, one of the top conferences, which is fantastic for them. They've been amazing over the past few years. They've become a destination for uh, for some top recruits in the nation. They've They've been an all-around great team. And another thing that I completely disagree on on this top 25, Tennessee stays in the top 25. They fell two spots after getting destroyed by Kentucky. Now, I understand that Kentucky is was definitely a better-seeded team, um, was definitely higher up in the ranks than Tennessee. But the way that Tennessee guys ran off the floor, I think that they, they were already at 22 and they fell to 24. I think that they should have fell out of the top 25. I don't think that they should be in the top 25 this week, but I think that it, I, I was shocked, honestly, when I saw the top 25. I, I After that Kentucky game, I thought it, thought it was a definite that they weren't going to be in the top 25 this week. Them and Alabama. Alabama ended up falling out. Alabama is not in the top 25 after a couple more bad losses, but Tennessee um, somehow holds on, and they – stay in the top 25 at number 24. Um, so very, very interesting. Um, did not, did not really love that call, but you know, I'm not a Tennessee hater, so not going to sit here and, you know, be upset about it or anything, but Tennessee staying in at 24 was a little bit interesting. And UConn also rejoined the top 25. They're in the top 25 to start the season and they rejoined at number 25. So those are the top. Those are some of my AP poll reactions. Some of the more interesting things that have gone on in the AP poll uh, so far this season, I or so far this week after it uh, was announced today. So jumping over from that, they, we had a decent amount of games for Martin Luther King Jr. Day today. Obviously, it was a national holiday. Most people had off of work. I did not, but most people had off of work. Uh, one, the big game, though, was Purdue versus Illinois. Purdue beats Illinois 96-88 to 88 in double overtime. That was an absolute marathon, that game. I'll tell you that. That game was insane. Watched the majority of it. Zach Eady had another tremendous outing, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Sasha Stefanovic, 22 points, 5 for 8 from downtown. Kofi Coburn had 10 points and five boards, um, even though he fouled out in 22 minutes. Uh, that was one big thing that, you know, hurt Illinois towards the end was Coburn fouling out. But um, Illinois was able to stay with them. Alfonso Plummer had 24 points. Corbello had 20 points. And this was Illinois' first conference loss of the season. So they're now 6-1 and one in conference play. So this was really good game for, I think both teams. Um, this was a must win for Purdue uh, to try to get them back on track, you know, losing this would probably drop them even a few more spots in the rankings, stay in that top five. This was a must win, but this was also a big game for Illinois too, because I think that, you know, starting off six and zero and then giving Purdue a double overtime scare, it was pretty um, significant and kind of indicates the way that the fighting Illini are playing right now. They're completely locked in. Absolutely. Um, the, they're absolutely locked in. 
they have, you know, they're starting to come into their own with players not named Kofi Coburn. Plummer is starting to play better. Corbello is starting to play better. Frazier, um, they're starting to get a lot of help from the supporting cast, which is key. And Illinois, you know, was a preseason top 25 team. And a lot of people thought that this was the kind of team that they should be. And, you know, they're at that point right now. So I think that's pretty cool um, that Purdue, um, Purdue and Illinois um, made it that far, that close in double overtime. So uh, that was a pretty good game. So jumping over from that, we'll go over to some of the top college games of the week. Uh, this week, there's a pretty decent slate. There aren't too many insanely great games but there's there's a decent amount it's going to be let off tomorrow obviously Purdue Illinois would have been on the list but we just went over um they since they played today number one on the list um which will take place tomorrow night at 7 p.m number seven Kansas takes on Oklahoma uh Kansas 14 and 2 this year they're so far three and one in conference play they beat Iowa State and West Virginia uh this past week so they moved up a little bit in the rankings. I think they moved from nine to seven this week. Um, Moshe Abaji, we've talked about plenty on this show, uh, player of the year candidate. He's been absolutely amazing. And the Oklahoma Sooners, on the other hand, are 12 and five. They're two and three so far in conference play. So they're, they've been struggling a little bit. They lost to Texas and TCU last week. So they fell a little bit more too. Uh, Tanner Groves, their transfer from Washington State has been their star player, averaging 13.1 points and six boards so far this season. So Kansas at Oklahoma, you know, I feel like even though Oklahoma hasn't been ranked uh, in the past few weeks, I almost I I have an Oklahoma game on the my top college games of the week, like almost like every single week. I, I don't know why I. I kind of real started to realize that, and I was like, "All right, you know, they're twelve and five now, but they, you know, when you play in the Big Twelve, that's that's kind of what happens." Then one of the better games of the week will take place later on tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday at nine o'clock. We got number fifteen Iowa State taking on number eighteen Texas Tech. Texas Tech is red hot. Uh, Iowa State now fourteen and three this season. Obviously, they start off under they got to that undefeated start. They were in the top 10, but uh, they lost to Kansas Tuesday, but they beat Texas on Saturday. They're two and three now in conference play. Uh, Their team is slowly starting to come back to reality. Um, I think that, I I think their team is still tough. They're still gritty, but they don't have a ton of depth. Isaiah Brockington is their star player. He's averaging 16 and a half points, 7.9 boards. But I think that that 14 and three starts is more indicative of, how um, they're starting to come back a little bit more towards reality, uh, two and three in conference play. So this is going to be a pretty, pretty big game for them. And on the other hand, Texas Tech is thirteen and four, three and two in conference play. Um, they lost to Kansas State this past week, but they beat Baylor and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So they had a really interesting week. Um, that's part of why Baylor fell from one to five was because of their loss to Texas Tech. They also had another loss um, this past week. But Texas Tech was red hot. And um, 
they lost to Kansas State, which I think hurt them from being higher than an 18 seed. But regardless, they're, they've still been red hot. TJ Shan's also back. He returned Saturday. They're, the combination of Bryson Williams and Kevin McCuller have been awesome. You know, one of the more slept on duos in college basketball, I think. I think that McCuller has been one of the better players in college basketball for a while now. Um, he's just starting. He started getting recognition with TJ Shannon out for the that tech squad. Um, I think that Mark Adams too is is putting together a real good defensive game plan night in and night out for that team. I, you know, if I I usually don't give my picks for any of these games, which I I definitely could start doing, but I don't usually give my I don't usually give my picks for this game. But I would definitely take Texas Tech. I think that's. Tech is rolling, and um, they might beat up on Iowa State, too. And it's a home game for the Red Raiders, too, so I would not be surprised. And we got a comment here from Nick. Kentucky deserved to go up to 12 after that statement win versus Tennessee. Absolutely agree. I think that, um, you know, it was perfect placing for it to have them go up that, that high. I think that... More so than Kentucky going up to 12, I think that Tennessee falling out of the top 25 should have happened after that terrible display that they put on. Um, you know, obviously Kentucky was the better team. They were the higher ranked team, but when they were twenty ranked at 22 and you only fall to tw- two spots to 24 after getting run off the court by an SEC rival, I just, I don't completely understand that, how that kind of goes down, but you know, it is what it is. Then we got another sec matchup. We got number 13 LSU taking on the now unranked Alabama crimson tide Wednesday at seven LSU is 15 and two this season, three and two in conference play lost to Arkansas on Saturday, which hurt them a little bit, fell a couple spots, but they beat Florida on Wednesday. Uh, they got, they have a tough week. They've got um, Alabama and then Tennessee this upcoming week. So Terry, um, Terry Eason and Darius Days have been their two leading scorers, been two of the best players in the SEC so far this season, averaging 15.4 points, seven boards for Eason and 14.7.6 boards for Days. And Alabama have lost, has lost three straight now. They lost to Missouri, Auburn, and Mississippi State. So if you're wondering why Alabama's not in the top 25 anymore this week, that that explains it right there. Missouri, Auburn, and Mississippi State, uh, they blew games too. So three-game losing streak that they'll be looking to snap. This could be a big statement win for Alabama, who's been struggling a little bit. I think that's, that's that'll definitely be uh, an interesting – Definitely an interesting game when these two uh, when these two teams always match up. So I'm excited to see that. And then we got number four Purdue taking on Indiana. Kind of just went over Purdue before, but Indiana uh, is one of those te- one of those sneaky teams that has been unranked all year. But you got to watch out for you know these kind of games are are a potential nightmare for Purdue in my opinion. I think that. Uh, Indiana has been amazing. Trace Jackson Davis is arguably a, a front runner for national player of the year, averaging 19 points, nine boards and three blocks, but Indiana 12 and four so far this season, they're two and two in conference play. Uh, they lost to Iowa on Thursday and, uh, they'll be taking on Nebraska on Monday. So they, they take on Nebraska today, actually. Um, I believe that game actually probably already ended. I think that game happened a little bit earlier. 
uh, around like six o'clock or something like that. But um, they'll they'll be taking on Purdue later in the week, which which will be an interesting one. And then we'll give Pac-12 a little bit of love, as I don't always do. Number three, Arizona. Now that Arizona's in the top five, got got to show them out a little bit. Thursday at 11 p.m. Us East Coasters, you know, going to have to stay up late for that one, as we have to tend to do to watch the Pac-12. But Arizona, 14-1 this season, 4-0 in conference play. They jumped all the way up to three now this week after beating Colorado and Utah um, this past week. Ben, Benedict Mathurin has been one of not only – their best players, but one of the best players in the entire Pac-12 this season, averaging 18 points, 6.3 boards. Christian Coloco is one of the best rim protectors in the nation with 3.3 blocks. And Stanford, on the other hand, wanted to include them because they're 10-5 and so far this season, 3-2 and in conference play. They beat, they beat USC and Washington State, but lost to Washington last week. Part of the reason why USC fell 11 spots was because of their loss to Stanford this past week. But Stanford's got a sneaky team, and they're led by one of the best freshmen in the nation, Harrison Ingram. Ingram is a crafty stretch four that's is averaging 11.9 points, 6.9 rebounds. Uh, big-time recruit. Stanford has been doing a good job bringing in some of these big recruits over the last couple of years. So that's going to be an interesting one. They're definitely going to be a team that could play spoiler throughout the season and, you know, might end up upsetting some of these top Pac-12 teams like Arizona or UCLA or even USC like they did uh, this past week. And then jumping back over uh, to another top 15 matchup, we got number 14, Michigan State. Take it on number eight, Wisconsin, Friday night at nine o'clock. Uh, Michigan State, 14-3 now this season, 5-1 and one in conference play. They beat Minnesota. Their one loss in conference play came to Northwestern, though, this past week. That's why they fell a little bit in the rankings. That ended their nine-game win streak. Uh, Michigan State was red hot. Gabe Brown's been their leading scorer, 14.2 points. Max Christie's been one of the best freshmen in the nation, averaging 10.4 points. Um, they've been an all-around dynamic team so far, and they'll be taking on Wisconsin who we went over before, but they're 14-2, and 5-1 and one in conference play. Beat Ohio State this past week. They're on a six-game win streak right now. Jumped up from 13-8 to eight, uh, in the AP poll this week. Johnny Davis is my number two in my National Player of the Year ladder right now, but he is averaging 21.7 points, 7.5 rebounds. He's been amazing. Um, and Davison, too. 15.2 points and 4.1 boards. So this, in my opinion, is the second best game of the week. I think that this game, is, that this is as nail-biter, potential OT written all over it. I think that it's going to be a really good one. And then my game of the week right right here goes, goes down on Saturday. Time is to be determined, but we got number 12, Kentucky, at number two, Auburn, probably um, – the biggest SEC game of the year so far. Kentucky 14 and 3 so far this season, 4 and 1 in conference play. They beat Vanderbilt and destroyed Tennessee this past week. Oscar Shebway, one of the front runners for National Player of the Year as well, averaging 16.5 points, leads the entire nation with 14.9 boards. Ty Ty Washington having a great freshman season. Severe Wheeler, the transfer from Georgia, averaging 7.3 assists, leads the SEC. And on the other hand, we got Auburn, 
who's 16-1, 5-0 in conference play, beat Alabama and Ole Miss. They also have Georgia on Wednesday, so they could be 6-0 and uh, in conference play. They should be 6-0 and in conference play heading into Saturday, 17-1 and total. But Jabari Smith's going to be one of the top dra- draft picks in this year's draft. He's been uh, their engine so far this season, 16.1 points. Walker Kessler transfer uh, has come in and been the rim protector that they expected him to be, averaging 4.1 blocks. I mean, you can't can't expect much better than that along with 10 points and seven and a half boards. So that's that right there. I think it's going to be the game of the week uh, that I'm looking forward to. And the last game that we'll go over before we bring our guest on is number 13 LSU taking on number 24 Tennessee. As I said before, Tennessee should not be ranked, but uh, LSU will be taking them on. So we went over LSU a little bit before. So Tennessee, they're eleven and five now on the season, two and three in conference play. They beat South Carolina this past week, but got run off the court by Kentucky. Uh, Santiago Vescovi's been the leading scorer at fourteen points. Kennedy Chandler has had a great freshman year, averaging thirteen point six points, four point nine assists, and two point three steals. Tennessee's got a great defensive team, as Rick Barnes' teams almost always do. Uh, so this is going to be another good game, I, I definitely think. And if Tennessee wants to stay in that top twenty-five, uh, Next week, they I think that a win right here will definitely help them hold on to that. A loss might end up kicking them out of the top 25 altogether. So those are the top college games of the week. And before we jump into um, anything else, we got special guest from the brew party, Andy Hopper. Andy, how are we doing? Paul, it is so great to be back uh, on the show. Always excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. I am doing well. Awesome. Awesome. Always, always an open invite to come on the show. You know, I wanted to, I haven't had you on since October, so needed to get your thoughts. The Bulls are surging. Illinois surging right now. I mean, it was a tough, tough game today, but um, you got to get some of your thoughts on it. First of all, take us through the game today. Did you watch any of it? Uh, yeah, so actually I did get to watch it at work. So, I mean, it was a tough, it was a tough game. Purdue's one of the best teams in the country. Illinois, uh, comes into the game undefeated in conference play six and oh, um, and you know, to this point, Kofi Coburn, who's, you know, he's averaging 21 and 12 on the year. He's walking double, double. He's, he needs two more double doubles to tie the program record of 41. Uh, he will eventually break it this year, but this was the first game that he really wasn't really able to assert his dominance. You have on, on the Purdue side, you have the seven foot four Zach Eady, who's pretty tough to handle and was getting any and every call. Uh, but he can hack the shit out of our guys and, and, and nothing. But anyway, they they did a good job neutralizing Kofi. They ended up fouling him out. But at the 17 minute mark in the second half, Kofi had four fouls and he had to sit down. Uh, they are Second string center, Omar Payne, the transfer from Florida, had three fouls, was in foul trouble most of the game. They bring in our third string center, Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk, who played the fucking game of his life. Uh, Gave us great minutes defensively, made multiple defensive stops uh, on Edie and Travion Williams when we absolutely needed it, but it ended up just not being enough. At the start of the game, we we missed just a lot of bunnies and just a lot of gimmies that we really needed. And, uh, you know, just produce 
a tough team. Jaden Ivey, one of the best guards in the country. I mean, we hold him to like two for 10 shooting or something like that, but he still ends up with uh, 19 or 20 points uh, from the free throw line. Um, I mean, Purdue at one point goes on a 17-0 run in the second half. Illinois hits like no field goals in the last seven minutes of the first half, which it's really hard to win games like that. It just, and then in the second half, they, they battled back, they would battle back and then Purdue would kind of build up a lead. I think Purdue got up as many as 13 at one point. Andre Corbello plays his first game in over two months. um, And he was absolutely insane today. Uh, He comes off the bench and scores 20 points. Uh, I believe he had six rebounds and three assists as well. Only like one turnover. He really, really helped us down the stretch. And and you just watch that offense, how much more they're really able to do with the pick and roll and just him with the ball in his hands. And his ability to get to the basket and just get around people is second to none. It, It was absolute joy to watch. Uh, he helps them battle back. They force overtime. They force double overtime. And the double overtime Purdue just uh, proves to be enough. Sasha, Sasha Stefanovic hit some huge, huge threes down the stretch for the Boilermakers as well. And he finished with 22 points. I mean, they Matt Painter has a really good ball team. As much as I hate to admit it, they are good. But silver lining for Illinois here is you hung with the number four team in the country. You took the number four team in the country to double overtime with essentially your third string center playing over half of the uh, game uh, with Kofi on the bench. And, you know, it seems like Andre Corbello is uh, pretty much ready to go. Uh, I know they were only planning on playing him about six to eight minutes, but he had Brad uh, Underwood said himself, he had such an effect on the game. He, he had to leave him in and, and he, they really almost pulled it out. Al- Alfonso Plummer had a huge game. He is one of the best shooters in the country. This team in general has been so good at shooting the three. And, and it's something, it's a credit to Brad Underwood and the staff. When he when he took this job, he had a specific style of play that he was known for at, at Stephen F. Austin that turned them into a, a group of five powerhouse, uh, or a mid-major powerhouse. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of college football. Uh, but then... Used that similar style at Oklahoma State, came up here to the Big Ten, realized it doesn't work. And then specifically with this team, you come into the year expecting heavy pick and roll with Curbelo and Kofi. Curbelo goes out. Now you're essentially running a four-round one or perimeter offense, and Kofi has been a lot better at passing out to, out to the perimeter. And we have the best three-point shooting team that we've had in 15 years on the floor. I mean, it's guys like Plummer who stepped up and had a huge game. Trent Frazier is one of the best scorers in the Big Ten and one of the best defensive guards. Uh, DeMonte Williams is the ultimate glue guy for Illinois. He's not going to score a bunch of points, but he's going to dive on the floor. He's going to play hard on defense. He's going to grab rebounds. He's going to do the little things um, and that you want a fifth-year senior to do. Jacob Grandison has kind of been cold the past couple games, but he's a long, lengthy wing that usually plays good minutes. Uh, over 1,000 points scored uh, in his career. So, I mean, there are a lot of pieces here. They look really good, and then you add Curbelo back into this. I mean, this is still a 13-4 and four team. Uh, two of, and two of those losses, it's one to Purdue, who's number four in the country. The other one is to Arizona, the number three team in the country. And both of those, in my opinion, are, you know, it right in the thick, uh, of the national championship race. Um, it today, 
you don't get the result you want, but you you don't you walk away from it not feeling as bad about it because one, you're six and one in the Big Ten and you're still in first place. You're thirteen exactly. and four. Uh, you prove that you can hang with Purdue. You prove that you can hang. You still get a you get a rematch. Hopefully, Kofi can stay out of foul trouble, or we'll get refs that you know <laughs> don't uh, call touch fouls on one end and then let. Edie get all body and wrist and call it a clean block on the other end. But I'm trying not to complain about the refs because Purdue, I do think they deserve that win. They were the better team in the first half, but you, you just credit Illinois for never quitting and battling back because there were multiple points in that game where they're down nine. I mean, at one point down 13 where they could have just kind of packed it in, but they didn't, they clawed their way all the way back and made it one hell of a game. Uh, so you keep your heads you keep your heads held high and move on to the next one. I don't think the the taste is too sour in your mouth. Um, you know, obviously you don't like the result, but the fight was great, and you have Corbello back, hopefully uh, for good. Absolutely, and see, I think I think that you uh, hit on a perfect point too, where this game was really a big game for Illinois, even though that, even though they lost, I think that this was a big comeback game. Obviously they jumped up from 25 to 17 this week in the rankings. They're starting to get guys healthy again. And, you know, it's not just the Kofi show anymore. You're starting to get uh, help from a ton of different guys and he fouls out and you're able to take Purdue who, you know, some can argue is the best all around team in the nation uh to double overtime you know i think that it was an all-around amazing performance they got some good uh secondary players corbello is a all-around stud i think i think that he's so fun to watch man he really is he's he like you started seeing glimpses of it with him behind Dasunmu over you know the past couple of years but he's really like turning into a player and right they they missed him big time. I think the first two, first couple of months that he was out. Yeah, it was an adjustment at first, and then they really got in their groove. They, I mean, they won the first six Big Ten games without him. They, I think it was like seven of eight or seven of nine uh, in a row. They proved how good they are shooting the basketball from from three point lines. One of the best team in the best teams in the country. At shooting it from deep, they're shooting almost forty percent. I think they're thirty-eight percent as a team from three uh, for for the season. They did have a couple games where they were kind of down. I mean, but it, it seems like they have they've kind of hit form. But yeah, it's a uh, you, you said it. We have we have other guys that we can rely on, and we and we saw that Trent Frazier's a fifth-year senior that can score for you. Alfonso Plummer's a knockdown three-point shooter. It's also proved to be a three-level scorer that can get to the basket uh, if he needs to. And then, you know, we just fill in from the bench. We have some freshmen, a guy like Luke Goody, a uh, freshman out of Indiana that can shoot the three a little bit. Uh, they're, they're a deep team. We There are options here for Brad Underwood uh, and this staff. It's just a matter of where they really go from here. But I think they're in a very good spot. You're in first place in the Big Ten. They're 12th right now in the Ken Palm. Uh, if you p- pay attention to that, because I, I like to pay attention to the, the Ken Palm and the net rankings a little bit more than the AP poll. But it is yeah. nice to, that, to see that they're getting a little bit more love, you know, going up to 17. And I don't really see that falling, even with a loss uh, here, just because it's at number four Purdue or 
I mean, you're hosting number four Purdue, but at the hands of number four Purdue. Yeah, and the fact that they went double overtime too, I don't see them falling falling very far past them. They they had that game. They almost were able to put that game away too without Kofi. I think that that kind of just says a lot yeah. about them. There there were a couple frustrating parts because it was like so, in, especially in the first half, they go on a 10-0 run and they take the lead 25-24. And then from there, they go, they can't hit, they miss like nine shots in a row. They go scoreless for seven minutes and it's a 17-0 run for Purdue. Uh, and then right there, it was huge to even get two free throws from Kofi uh, to go to, I, I think, stay down 11 or stay down yeah. nine. Uh, so, I mean, right there, you, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games in the Big Ten or really anywhere if you go scoreless for seven minutes. Uh, so there's definitely things that they can work on, things that uh, aren't great or, or weren't great about that game. Uh, obviously, the way Kofi was, I mean, I won't say completely neutralized. He, he got a few things, but you could definitely tell he was out of his comfort zone. You could tell yeah. that he, he was rushing things just a little bit, but I mean, Travion Williams is a fantastic big Zach Eady. He's good, but I mean, it's, it's hard not to be that dominant when you're seven, four and exactly. 95 pounds. Like they and said it, on the, they said on the broadcast that he's the most talented player out there. And I, that no. that's not true. He's not the no. most talented player on his team. Jaden Ivey's the most the, is going to be a lottery pick. Zach Eady's seven four, and nobody can move him. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that, and it wasn't too long ago that Zach Eady was a freshman last year, and I remember watching his first game going out there. He looked like he had no idea what he was doing. So he's he's come a bit of a long way since then. But seven four, two ninety five. I mean, the I mean, in, obviously the force. He put up twenty points today, but. Uh, in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, he had like 16 or f- 14, maybe. Yeah, Four- 14 points, and they held him to six in the second half. That, I mean, that's pretty big, and that was the majority with Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk, uh, uh guarding him. So they, I don't know. I, I I don't feel bad about the loss as much as it sucks. As much as I don't like Purdue, it, they, we learned some things about this team today. Absolutely, I totally agree. And we got Tom Scavetta, great game today. That kid with the headband hit some tough shots for Illinois. Alfonso Plummer, baby. Remember that name. Transfer out of Utah. He is, uh, like I said, one of the best three-point shooters in the nation. Um, He's been an incredible addition to this team. You know, when we lose Adam Miller to LSU out of the transfer portal last season, who was really, you know, if he was on this team, he probably would have been the primary ball handler. He definitely was the best shooter on the team. You add a guy in Alfonso Plummer who you know he's not going to be as ball dominant but he can fill that role he's even better uh shooting the ball from long range it's just been a perfect match for Brad Underwood's team we we can't really ask uh much more from Plummer so far this year I mean 24 points today a lot of big shots kept us in it and uh I mean that's that's we're going to need more of that down the stretch absolutely so we'll switch gears over here from Illinois obviously you know want to get more of your opinion. We're definitely going to get you on the show before the big 10 tournament, but a hundred percent, definitely, definitely going to do that. Need to get uh, some more Illinois talking, but we'll jump over to the Chicago bulls real quick. Bulls are 27 and 14. So far this season, they lost five of their last six. Uh, DeRozan and Levine have both been all-stars so far this season, but it's, um, you know, they, they've had a couple of recent struggles. Our boy, Io DeSunmu has been, 
amazing off the rookie bench of the year. Rookie, rookie of the year. year. Rookie <laughs> of the year. Give him the award, you cowards. Come on, Silver. Uh, but no, the vo- I mean, they've been an absolute joy to watch this year, man. Yeah. I have not been this excited about Bulls basketball since the Rose, Noah, Boozer days, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, five of the last six, it's been a struggle. But you have to look at, at who's been playing for the Bulls. You have to look at uh, we're, we're, we've been missing uh, Alex Caruso for 13 or 14 games. Yeah. Who's finally, hopefully back um, for the next one. Lonzo Ball out right now with the knee injury. Zach Levine's been out for the last three games with the knee injury. Derek Jones Jr. out with a knee injury. Um, so obviously you don't want to make excuses, even though I kind of just did, but um, <laughs> you don't. Well, I mean, love... those are big losses. Though. They're big losses. So... Um, so once this team is healthy, it's really going to be more indicative of what they can actually do. You don't love um, the last few games, especially, you know, getting beat back to back nights by like 40 points by two of the league's best teams. Uh, I mean, not really hanging with Memphis, who actually is another really good, really good team uh, tonight, really should have closed out that win over the Celtics a couple nights ago when Io goes for 21-10 assists and shoots 90% uh, from the field. First rookie to ever do that, uh, yeah, that was, in a, that was in, in a game. Unbelievable performance. I mean, I mean, you talk about what he's meant to this team, you, to the fact that he slid to the 37th pick uh, in the draft in the, in the second round is just ridiculous, and he's really making everybody pay for it. We thought at, at first maybe he'll get uh, uh, some minutes here and there. He started uh, – he came in one game, gave him a spark, and then from there it was – he stepped right into this role off the bench of the, you know, the first guard, second guard off. Him and Kobe White together, I love them as the backup two guards. Obviously, when Caruso gets healthy, you just add him in there as well, which that's what we've really been missing right now is a true defensive stopper and one that even with Pat Williams out as well, we don't have a true wing defender, which is something they might need to address before the trade deadline. The problem is I don't know who we give up. Um, But I think we wait and see. We get everybody back healthy and go from there. Um, but Io, I mean, he he's he's been incredible. And then uh, fellow Illini, Malcolm Hill just got signed to a two way contract. Yeah. Third uh, all third all time leading scorer uh, in Illinois basketball history. He was absolute joy to watch as well. And a guy that you know had to go overseas to start his career was killing it in the G League. Uh, got signed to a ten day by the Hawks, ten day by the Bulls. Played one game and they signed him to a two way contract. So. That's great to see. Um, what I don't love is Vucevic right now, and I think he really needs to yep. step up, and I think he's the reason that they've lost uh, five of these last six games. When he's great, he's great. But there have been he's been soft defensively, and then there's been just some easy buckets that we need him to knock down. We need him to step up. We need him to be a ve- veteran presence because, I mean, the guys we have behind him, Tony Bradley, who got – did you see what happened with Tony Bradley tonight? He got in a fight with uh, Ja Morant. You can't be getting yeah, in a fight with another man and still be pissed off while another grown man is picking you up like a toddler and turning yeah, Stephen you Adams way. behind him. Stephen yeah. Adams is a fun, I love Stephen Adams. Uh, he's but he is the, t- Tony Bradley's been frustrating. Um, yeah. I, I t- my buddy my buddy Ron texts me all the time. 
Uh, he texted me the other night. He goes, I think the only two bulls I hate are, t- <laughs> are Tony Bradley and Troy Brown Jr. <laughs> get, get him out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're relying on some guys that we, we don't want to rely on yeah, as exactly. much. Um, so that, that really explains the five of the last six. But, again, still in first place in the East, still in a position to finish top three. I mean, obviously, I think if you're the Bulls, you got to be a little bit worried about the Brooklyn Nets, uh, even yeah. though they are missing KD for the last or for the next four to six weeks. Uh, the Bucks, they seem to be surging. They look really good right now as well. Um, but other than that, I don't know who you're scared of uh, in the East if you're the Chicago Bulls. The Cavaliers have been playing really well. That is their next matchup. Um, and, you know, with this depleted Bulls team, I won't be surprised if the Cavs do pull that one out. But, I mean, DeMar DeRozan has been incredible for this for this team this year. I mean, a true MVP candidate in my mind. I know it's it sounds like a homer pick, but, I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game. Uh, he's hit uh, multiple game winners this season. What yeah. he's meant to this Bulls team and just a calming veteran presence um, in – uh, in late in late game crunch time situations is something that they have not had uh, in quite a while. Obviously, with Zach Levine on the team, they did have him, but it, it, as far as he goes, it, he doesn't feel like he has to do everything. The burden is not uh, on him there. And then obviously, you have a guy like Vooch who is an All Star caliber player, and that's why I'm being hard on him right now. It's because we yeah. need more from him. We know how good this guy can be. We saw what he gave Orlando. And I'm not saying he's been terrible all year. We've seen flashes of him being really good this year and winning us some games. But we need that now uh, when we don't necessarily know how long we're going to be without uh, Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine. Both, uh, I don't believe, are serious knee injuries. They're not going to be long-term. But in the meantime, you know, you still got to, when you start losing five of six and you're trying to maintain a playoff spot, especially at the top of the standings, uh, you got to start converting on some of these games. And if you look at the the schedule coming up, it's going to be hard. Uh, I mean, they they have the Cavaliers coming up. I believe they also, I actually, I was just looking at this a, a couple hours ago. Hold on, let me pull it up because it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough sledding, especially. Yeah. With with the with the guys they have out there, they got to play the Cavaliers and the Bucks. Next two games, Magic Thunder, not as bad. There's two winnable games right there. Uh, yeah. Raptors is you know that's a toss up. Spurs and then the Trailblazers. So you got you need to beat the Magic, the Thunder, the Spurs, and the Trailblazers. If you go four and three there, that's doable. Uh, hopefully you go five and two, or hopefully you go seven and zero. Oh. But I mean, you can't. No. expect to be beat both of these teams as much as I would love it. And I think they are capable of it. Um, I mean, they have guys that are playing really hard. I would assume who's giving them great minutes. Kobe white is lethal from three. He is uh, one of the guys that were, uh, there were rumblings, you know, early earlier in the year, like, Oh, should we trade him? Should we use him as a trade piece? No, he's been one of uh, a sixth man of the year candidate. In my opinion, um, one of the, uh, only guys that was keeping us in it uh, tonight. If he's open, he's knocking down a three. Uh, yeah. So I, I think he's been really valuable. I mean, the, Alex Caruso, when he's been able to be out there, what he brings defensively and just from a toughness aspect, like a gritty aspect uh, to this team it, it is incredible. But right now it's, it, you don't feel good about the, 
the 40 point losses and and you can handle you can handle losses right now but what you don't want to see is guys quitting uh in the middle of the game and I think we kind of saw that a little bit uh especially those 40 point losses and a little bit even tonight yeah. I know they ended up making it kind of close I think it was a 13 point loss what 119 to 106 I think the final score was but it'll be okay I think I think you don't stress too much about this right now I mean I'm definitely I'm getting a little worried that that's always the the anxiety the the Bulls fan in me but it, it's yeah, really it's just refreshing to, to be watching a good basketball team and have these worries right and not be like oh who cares we're gonna lo- <laughs> we're gonna finish with a losing record anyways they're 27 and 14 they're on pace to win 50 games this year exactly. so it's uh it's a good time to be a Bulls fan you just hope everybody can get back healthy and and they can kind of get right and and get better, but from what's been on the floor right now, you like what you see from s- certain guys. You don't like what you see from a couple others, and you you kind of go from here. But I think Billy Donovan was one of the best things they best decisions they's made uh, in quite a while. I think he's been great uh, at, at the head coach position and maybe a yeah. head coach of the year candidate. But we'll, we'll see where it goes from here, man. I, I know your Knicks made a couple moves. We have the. Uh, Philly's Philly with jo- Joel and B is always there. We'll see what the Heat do, exactly. but the Cavaliers are solid. Like I mentioned, the Bucks uh, right there in our own division. So uh, the East is it's open. Uh, the Bulls, I mean, but it, it's just it's hard for me to nitpick too bad too bad at this team sitting in first place when <laughs> when we know how just bad they've been the past decade. Exactly. You know, you got to just be happy about it. And, you know, with the way a lot of people thought they were going to be competitive this year, but I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be first place more than halfway through the season. That I didn't think so either. I thought that they would have been maybe like 10 games over 500 end the season, something like that, 46 and 36, something, something around those. I mean, you know, obviously that still might happen, but they're well on pace to do much better than that. Yeah. and it see it seems like that. And I I like the point too about DeRozan. I think that he's been a complete game changer. He's completely changed the culture of the team. You know, he's a winner. I think him being stuck in San Antonio over the past couple of years had kind of um, diminished what what everybody remembers him as uh, when he was with Toronto because he was a tremendous player when he was with Toronto and he was a big winner. Um, he was an all around stud and. You know, kind of being stuck in San Antonio with those rebuilding teams, a lot of a lot of it, people definitely forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, not to interrupt, but the, when everybody said it's the worst offseason signing, it's terrible. He's no. playing at an MVP level. He's averaging twenty five exactly. and seven. He's been the most clutch player, arguably, in the league this season. I mean, Kevin Durant is definitely in that conversation for what he's been able to do with the Nets. But you talked about the culture. It's a great point, man. I would assume we got his uh, jersey retired at uh, at Illinois. Uh, which you were at. Which was ago. awesome. I was there. Incredible. Absolutely incredible experience to see that, just what he means, what Iodesumu means to the state of Illinois, being that five-star recruit that brought us back and, and yeah. you know, committed to Brad Underwood, was here when we were really bad, was here when we were really good, and now he's just reaping the benefits and playing in his home city in Chicago. So just what he means to this program and for that, to be there for that was it, it goosebumps, absolute goosebumps. Yeah. But anyway... DeMar DeRozan came with him, drove down from Chicago to be there. 
how many veterans in the NBA do you know would come to a rookie's like a rookie on their team's something like that? I I don't I can't remember. I, mean, I, honestly, I can't remember I, that ever happening. I don't remember. I'm sure it has at some point, but that just speaks to how good of a teammate Demar is. It speaks to um, you know how much they think of Io Desunmu. Uh, oh, exactly. on this team and you know it speaks to io too as well and and every every report i've heard is he's just been like a sponge he just wants to learn he's got a question for everything he why do you do this show me this this and this and yeah. he's, he's learning very quickly but i mean demar's definitely changed the culture billy donovan being a competent head coach has changed the culture uh zach levine has bought in he's said he's having this is the most fun he's had playing basketball in in quite a long time um yeah. and, and, and then for him it's just adding demar has just added stability where he just doesn't have to feel like everything is on his shoulders he can go exactly. score but they're both of them are a threat to go for 25 plus any night they any of them can get a bucket i mean vooch is a threat to go for 20 and 10 and we we sounds greedy to to want them all to average you know 20 points which i know is not going to happen yeah but we need can somebody's got to step up right exactly. and, and, and Listen, we, we we potentially have two All Star starters, and, and we're in first place in the Eastern Conference. I know I keep I keep saying that, but I I I, I keep I keep trying to find shit to nitpick, but I just can't. <laughs> I can't. I, I I like, and the the only thing I, I can think of is the effort the past couple games, uh, and when we need veteran guys to really step up, uh, we've kind of been lacking that. And I don't. I know Demar. You know, he had twenty four tonight. Um, but he had kind of been off the past couple games and they, and they have been, you know, they've been relying on, on Io DeSunmu, a rookie and Kobe White, Troy Brown, Malcolm Hill, they just brought up from the G league and, and, you know, like, um, God, Johnson, what's his first name? Uh, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. 24, I think, um, Javante Green. Oh, he's hurt too. God damn it. We're, oh my God. Kyler, what the? F- <laughs> I don't know if you just saw that, but that was holy. <laughs> that was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. I didn't even, I didn't even see it. I don't even have the game on next to me, but it's, I, uh, you'll see a highlight of it after. That. Oh my God. I'm sorry. But to get back, listen, yeah, hopefully vote, vote for Levine and, and, uh, DeRozan to be all-star starters and vote for Vooch too. I know they're they're really trying to push him as well, but absolutely feeling good about the Bulls, feeling good about the Illini, man. Something uh, I haven't been able to say about both of those teams in quite a while. I'm I'm glad to hear it, and that's why we wanted to get you on to get your thoughts on those. I'm was was glad you know to see that they're both thriving. And, you know, I like this young Bulls team, too. I, li- I, I like... Well, that's the thing is, man. They, we have this mix of veterans in, in Vucevic and, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Lonzo Ball's still young, but you, he's been in the league yeah. for, what, four or five years at this point. We have... We know Levine's been there for a while, but then you add guys like Javante Green. You add Derek Jones Jr. You yeah. add a Io DeSunmu. Um, and, I mean, the list goes on, but it, it's... You see where they can go from here. And I think as obviously you want to win the whole thing. You, I think they have potential to get the Eastern Conference Finals, but you gotta 
at least win a playoff series and everybody around here in Chicago and in Illinois and Chicago Bulls fans all over the place are going to feel pretty damn good about it. I totally, totally agree. That's, that would be fantastic. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the three and D Andy. It's always a pleasure. Where can the fans check out your work? Absolutely, Paul. We're going to have to get you on the brew party here sometime soon. But you can check me out um, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, Just search The Brew Party or go to www.thebrewparty.com. That has links to all of our episodes. You can listen to them just right there or on your favorite podcast player. Links to the YouTube, youtube.com slash thebrewparty, or we're on social media. Follow us on Twitter. At the Brew Party, we are on Instagram as well. At the Brew Party on Facebook, at the Brew Party Podcast, uh, we drop episodes. Uh, it's usually an interview every Tuesday, and then our weekly gambling segment with me and my friend Ryan Maloney. Um, through the football season is Maloney's Money Line, where we live stream every uh, Friday evening on our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So definitely check that out for all of our picks for uh, each uh, football weekend. Actually. I no new episode tomorrow because I was doing this uh, instead. I don't want to record anything else because I'm being lazy and I want to watch the game, <laughs> even though it is a 21 nothing blowout already in the second quarter. Um, uh, but yeah, the brew party. Follow me. Uh, new episodes. I'm also on uh, from the stands college football show uh, during the college football season with uh, our friend Tom Scavetta and Brian McCardle. I am also on a conspiracy theory podcast called Edging the Truth. Uh, We just released a new episode today, actually, uh, about John Wilkes Booth and a conspiracy that he escaped uh, from the the United States or escaped from death after assassinating uh, Abraham Lincoln. You can find that www.edgingthetruth.com or Edging the Truth on YouTube, as well as uh, at Edging the Truth on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, it's a lot of me, but uh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. I'm glad to be here. Of course, Andy. Always a fun L, baby. Let's go, Bulls. ILL. Seeing, Seeing red. <laughs> Everybody go check that stuff out. Andy does a great job. Check out our previous episode. I was on the brew party last year. Check out our episode back from October when Andy was uh when it was on the show to preview the Illinois season. You know, kind of you can uh, check it out, see how much we got right, see how much we got wrong. I remember, <laughs> I remember we were trash talking Purdue a little bit, so that definitely was. But that that was that was a wrong. How it goes. Usually yeah. how it goes. <laughs> exactly, but you know, you never know. There's there's always some ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week, and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday nights at the new time, eight thirty p.m. Have a great night, everyone.